Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Mark 16, beginning at verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And Father, we give thanks unto you for your precious holy word. We thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. We thank you for the anointing upon our ears, our hearts, our minds, that we might receive from your precious holy word and walk in the light thereof. We give you all the thanks, the praise, the honor, the glory for all that your word means unto us this night in Jesus' name. Amen. This passage of Scripture clearly indicates to us that the New Testament believer should have these certain signs in their lives. Casting out devils is a supernatural sign that should be in the life of every individual believer. Casting out devils in your own life. In other words, exercising authority over the devil in your own life. Secondly, speaking with new tongues. Let's skip over that for a minute. Thirdly, taking up serpents. That means if you're in the business of preaching the gospel, you might be on a missionary field somewhere, or you might be accidentally overcome by a serpent. These fellows went out to preach the word. You know, that happened to Paul. He shook it off. The serpent's bite had no power over him. He did not die. It was a supernatural sign and a wonder. The people on the island marveled at what had happened. But to us, it shouldn't be something that's strange. It should be a normal thing. Do you see that? It's a supernatural sign. Casting out devils, taking up serpents. If you drink any deadly thing, once again, notice you're preaching the gospel. You're ministering the word of the Lord. Who knows? Something could happen. Someone might try to poison you because of your belief. You can rest assured that if it happens, all you need to do is claim immunity in the name of Jesus and supernaturally you are delivered. It could be that your child in your home accidentally got into the cupboard and found something that was poisonous. But thanks be unto God if you're a believer and you're a believing one who believes. Not a doubter, but a believer. You again can turn to this scripture and claim immunity in the name of Jesus and expect God to carry out his word through a supernatural sign and wonder and your child be delivered and be set free. Then, of course, the supernatural sign of laying on of hands, in particular upon the sick that they may recover. These four are supernatural manifestations. They're not natural, they're supernatural. 
going back to the second one, speaking with other tongues, is also a supernatural manifestation in the life of every, should be in the life of every believing one. Speaking with other tongues. This is not talking about cleaning up your language. That is sanctification. Before you got saved, you may have used foul language. Well, once you get saved, you realize that God wants you sanctified. Clean up that language. That's part of sanctification. But this is not to be confused with sanctification. And that's not a supernatural sign and wonder. That's something that you do on your own through the power of God, through His grace. But this is talking about a supernatural manifestation by the Holy Spirit that enables an individual to communicate in another language that he has never been taught, that he has not learned in his own life. I want to talk to you this evening about speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues. Or speaking with other tongues, whichever way you want to say it. Let's turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, we know the, the, the Holy Spirit came from heaven. His advent on this day came to the earth for the purpose of entering into the spirit of man. Jesus told his disciples to go and wait in Jerusalem in an upper room where they would receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit would come upon them. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 reveals to us what occurred. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. That's number one. First, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Secondly, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So very clearly we could see that the Bible teaches us or reveals to us what Jesus meant when he said, He that believeth on me, these signs shall follow him. They shall speak with new tongues. So when the Holy Ghost came upon them, they spoke with other tongues. And you can see in verse 8, And how hear we every man in our own, lang in our own tongue wherein we were, were born. You can see then that these individuals heard them speaking in their language. So they were speaking a language that they had not learned. But they were speaking in other tongues, other languages, that others were able to understand. And of course, down in verse 12, or 11 and 12, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. You will notice that in other tongues they were speaking of the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? And of course, this is a sign. A supernatural sign, as you can see, very clearly. When a person is filled with the Holy Ghost, he will speak with other tongues. In this initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we see these individuals received Him into their spirit, and the evidence of their receiving Him was that they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Personally, in observation... 
I have seen over the last eight or nine years that many enter into this experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues, but never continue in their study of the Word to discover the importance of speaking with other tongues, the purpose of other tongues, the proper use of other tongues. And seemingly when we get together, if we're not taught, it's very easy to misuse the gifts that God would give us through lack of knowledge or lack of understanding of God's purpose in this gift, I have seen personally a misuse of the gift of speaking with other tongues, especially or in particular in public ministry. And as you know, we've been praying, waiting upon the Lord in our Wednesday night services for the purpose of gaining wisdom, knowledge, and understanding and insight into the realm of the Spirit so that we can begin to move with God in the realm of the Spirit and accurately be used of the Spirit in bringing forth His demonstration of power in our midst. Well, if that's going to happen, we're going to have to look to the Word and put God's Word first place concerning the things of the Spirit. Because the only way we're going to find out about the things of the Spirit is by looking first to the Word and then in prayer, waiting upon the Lord so that He can direct our hearts. So I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. In the first verse, the Apostle Paul begins to teach about the things that pertain to the Holy Spirit. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. A better rendering or translation or more literal translation of that scripture is... Now, concerning the things that pertain to the Spirit, I would not have you to be ignorant. Concerning the things that pertain to the Spirit. Well, let's stop just for a minute and, and, and just make a statement here. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came in by the hand of God, by the power of God, of course, by the will of God, by the plan of God, by the pro program of God, into the hearts of these individuals that were there in the upper room. It's not something that they did. Matter of fact, they had little knowledge of it. All they knew was that they were going to be filled with the Spirit and receive power from on high. But we see in this initial outpouring that, that God, the Father, in His plan, of course, through Jesus Christ, knew about it because He said He's going to send to you the Spirit, evidenced His indwelling presence in the life of the New Testament believer with the speaking of other tongues. Speaking with other tongues is the evidence of the Spirit's indwelling presence. And we need to understand that. That is the evidence or the initial sign that the Holy Spirit has come to indwell the believer. So if we are genuinely filled with the Spirit or if we have received the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Ghost, to indwell us, then we should be speaking with other tongues. We should be speaking with other tongues. Even when that happens, though, I have discovered that that's where many stop, right there. They've been filled with the Spirit. They spoke with other tongues one time. 
which evidenced to them that they were filled with the Spirit, which was a sign to them that they were filled with the Spirit. But after they've done it one time, they've never continued to use that language of the Spirit throughout their lifetime, throughout their spiritual experience. And you kind of wonder and you say, well, why? Why is it? How come? There are those that just receive a few words of utterance and they stop right there. And they don't go on any further. I really believe it's because of a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge. Not enough teaching along these lines to really help us to understand. And why should there be a lack of knowledge when Paul the Apostle by the Spirit clearly said, I do not want you to be ignorant of the things that pertain to the Spirit. The very thing he said I don't want you to be ignorant of is the very thing that many are ignorant of. And that's the truth. Why? Because we've not taken the time to get into the Word. We've watched other people. We've seen what they've done. We've taken it for granted because maybe they're, they've been in Pentecost a lot longer than we have and we see things happening in the church body and in people's lives and we say that must be it. That must be the right thing to do. And so we just all begin to do it. You know, no one wants to be the one to open up that, that Pandora's box and start something new. No one wants to be the one to do that. You start walking in faith, the faith message, and, and you'll start to find something out. Not a whole lot of people want to associate with you. You'll find that out. But I thank God that there were those who were willing to step out of the boat, get out there on the water, and begin to walk by faith and teach others that there's another way. You can walk by faith. And even though they received much persecution, it wasn't the, you know, right thing to do to others in the body of Christ. It wasn't the most favorable thing to do. But they held fast to what they believed and, and took the criticism, took all the ridicule, took all the mockery and everything else that, that the body of Christ threw their way and said, faith is God's way to live in this life. The just shall live by faith and we're going to walk by faith. And this is how faith works. But seemingly when it comes to this here particular area... Many of us just don't have the understanding. And so we just watch others and see what they do. And we try to grow in it and develop in it. And I believe we end up making a lot of mistakes and doing a lot of wrong things. We don't want to create a lot of power in the spirit and then misuse it is what I'm trying to say. So I'm really going to ask you this evening just to have an open mind. A very open mind this evening. Because I might say some things that might, may trigger something inside you to make you start to think and say, I never heard along those lines before. Or that doesn't seem to be the normal pattern in, in Pentecostalism. But just have an open mind and a receptive heart. And let's look to the Scriptures so the Scriptures can teach us God's purpose in this all-important manifestation of the Spirit speaking with other tongues. Let's not be ignorant of the things that pertain to the Spirit. In chapter 14 and verse 1, and we're going to start here, we're going to find out in this chapter, that the primary use, and I want you to make a note of this. Make note of this. The primary, the number one, the main purpose or use of speaking with other tongues, the primary purpose is to be a devotional gift. To assist the believer in prayer, praise, and in the worship 
of God. Number one, primary use or purpose of speaking with other tongues is a devotional gift to assist the believer in prayer, praise, and worship of God. That's what it's for. That's why we've received a brand new tongue. Well, if that's true, then the emphasis, as far as we all should be concerned, should be where it belongs. The emphasis, when it comes to tongues, should be where it belongs. Worshiping God, praying, praising Him more accurately in the Spirit. In our individual prayer lives, in our individual lives of worship and praise. This manifestation of the Spirit, its primary purpose is for you as an individual to pray to God and to speak to Him, to praise Him and to worship Him more accurately. That's the reason for this manifestation. Let's read it and see. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. But now notice this. But rather that ye may prophesy. Now Paul's going to begin to talk about the manifestation of the Spirit in the church and in the individual life. In the church and individual life. And in, in verse 2, he tells you why to desire to prophesy. Because he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men. Everybody say, not unto men. Then let me ask you a question. If when a person speaks with other tongues, he's speaking not unto men, primarily, how come in our worship services, many times people will just stand up and speak with other tongues, and that is interpreted as God speaking to man? How come someone stands up and begins to speak with other tongues and the interpretation comes man or God speaking to man? If when speaking in tongues is not speaking to men, but speaking in tongues is speaking to who? Is man speaking to God? How come in Pentecostalism a lot of this goes on? I've asked myself that question so many times. Why is that so? Is there something that we're missing? If the primary purpose or function of other tongues is not to speak to men, then how come a person stands up and begins to speak out and interpretation comes that God is speaking to men? When it clearly says that it's not to speak to men, but it's to speak unto God. Now let's, let's, read on, let's read on and see. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto who? For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh divine secrets. So notice here the emphasis is on speaking to God and not speaking to man. Speaking to God. Divine secrets. Mysteries. 
Then he goes back and says, but he that prophesies speaks to men. You see that? Prophecy is speaking to men. Tongues is speaking to who? God. Like I say, yet a lot of times we'll have individual after individual stand up and just start speaking out and interpretation will come, well, thus saith the Lord. But it clearly says that that's not what tongues are for. Now, we're going to get out of this, but we've got to get into it before we get out of it, okay? Is that okay? But we have to learn. Don't we want to learn more? Certainly we do. He that prophesied speaks to men, to edification, exhortation, and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies who? Himself. He instructs himself, he builds up himself, he teaches himself. But he that prophesies edifies who? You know, in a church, you should really rather covet to prophesy and not, not stand up and speak with tongues. Isn't that what it said? Why? Because in the church, when you prophesy, you're speaking to men. Inspired utterance by the Spirit of God, God through you speaking to the body. That's what prophecy is. But here we see that tongues primarily are to assist the individual. So the individual can be built up. So the individual can worship God more accurately. And glorify Him. And magnify Him. Now, let's go on reading. I would that you all speak with tongues in verse 5. But rather that you prophesy. Why? For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues. Except. He interpret that the church may receive edifying. Well, you say, there it is. He said, if they were to interpret what is being said, then the church would receive edifying. I realize that. But why is it that most interpretations are God speaking to man? When most tongues are man speaking to God. The interpretation. Let's go on and read. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall it, I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation, knowledge, prophesying, or doctrine? And even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harp? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Therefore I know not the meaning of the voice. I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he shall, that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so ye, for as much ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. But my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. Else, when thou shalt... What? Bless who? 
Bless who? God. Bless God with the Spirit. How shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of what? Giving of what? Who are you giving thanks to? You know that's what that is saying? What's the primary purpose of tongues? To bless God. And we'll go through scriptures to prove that and show that to you. To give thanks unto God. To worship God. He's showing us that when someone stands up and begins to give utterance in other tongues, and in particular like through a worship service where we're all worshiping, then someone goes off and gives utterance in other tongues. Why is that interpretation always thus saith the Lord, and why isn't it blessing God? When he said specifically, else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room understand of the unlearned say, Amen at thy giving of what? Seeing he doesn't understand what you've said. For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other's not edified. And notice back there in verse 5, he said that the church may receive edifying. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than ye all, yet in the church I had rather speak five words. Paul was saying, I speak in tongues a lot, but not in the church. Now, when you make a statement like that, the first thing goes through your mind. Is he saying he doesn't want us to speak in tongues anymore? No, I'm not saying that. Because Paul is not talking here about a corporate body worshiping in other tongues. He's talking about somebody who stands up by themselves or comes to a platform, gets a microphone by himself and begins to give an utterance with other tongues. He's saying, I'd rather prophesy than stand there and speak with other tongues. Because if it's not interpreted, the body's not edified. But my point is this, the interpretation, the interpretation, if that person is standing there blessing God, why is it always thus saith the Lord? Because, you see, we just started to flow with everything else that's going on. You fall into that pattern. You watch what other people are doing, and, and that's the customary thing to do. But notice, he is saying that you are blessing God, you are giving thanks unto God, primarily. You are worshiping God. Many utterances that are inspired in corporate body worship, many of them, go uninterpreted. Because someone will speak with other tongues and that gift of inspiration inspires someone else to prophesy. And that person prophesies when that person was really speaking in tongues and giving glory unto God and that went uninterpreted. Because we've always thought in our minds that if an interpretation comes, it has to be, thus saith the Lord. Not realizing that that person could be standing there saying, together we have worshipped you, together we've lifted up our voice unto you, together we join ourselves uh, to, to, to praise and thank your holy name. Together in unity and harmony in one accord. Why couldn't it be an interpretation like that? Why couldn't that be so? See, all we want to do is to look to the Word more and to see more clearly how to use the manifestations of the Spirit properly. How to channel through wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that move of the Spirit properly, not to be ignorant of spiritual manifestations and of spiritual gifts, but to understand what we're doing accurately by looking to the Word and finding out their primary you know, function. 
Now, Paul then begins to change a little bit. Now, let's just follow this closely. In verse 19 again, he says, Yet in the church I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than ten thousand words in an unknown tongue. Brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. Now, notice we've been praying for understanding. Have understanding, have understanding, have understanding. In the law, in verse 21, it is written, With men of other tongues and of other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe, believe not, but for them which believe. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place, and all speak with tongues, when you come together, every one of you hath the psalm, hath the doctrine, hath the tongue, hath the revelation, hath the interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, now he begins to talk about public ministry of tongues. And when he speaks about public ministry of tongues, he is now referring to the gift of the Spirit called diversities of tongues. And let me make a statement like this. You can be one who speaks with other tongues and not have a public ministry of diversities of tongues. Did you know that? Do you understand what I'm saying when I say that? Many have just, when they've gotten together in a church, just used their, their prayer language just to speak out. And not necessarily is you, not necessarily have they been used in this gift called the diversities of tongues or in the interpretation of tongues. Well, if that were the case, then anybody who speaks with other tongues at any given time could stand up and begin to speak in tongues. Is that, does that mean that God is speaking... God is speaking through all these people a message to the church. Every one of us who is spirit-filled can right now stand up and speak with other tongues. Isn't that true? But that doesn't mean that gift of diversities of tongues is in operation. Sometimes we feel them goosebumps and we just want to let it go. Is that a message to the church? Well, see, in our thinking, we think that every time that happens, that that's what it is. And so there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of questioning along these lines. But Paul begins to teach here, and he starts to say about in public ministry, if any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three. And he's talking about people. Not how many times, but people. Let it be by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. Now, let's stop here just for a moment. He's going to start saying something here that we need to see. Now he's saying... Well, let's read it first. Let's read some more. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. The only way the church can be edified is if that tongue was properly interpreted. If there is no interpreter in the church, he's saying then that no one should stand up and give anything in other tongues... Let him speak to himself. Let him speak unto God. Because the primary purpose of tongues, anyhow, is for self-edification. 
You could speak to yourself. You could speak unto God. Let the prophet speak two or three. Let the other judge. Now notice, he gets over this area talking about a prophet, someone who is being used, who of course would have some of the other gifts of the Spirit and could be used with the diversities of tongues or the, the gift of interpretation of tongues. And notice, if the church is going to be edified in verse 30, if anything be revealed, and in verse 5 he said, or verse 6 he says, how shall I speak unto you except I speak in revelation or by revelation? There is a higher manifestation of this gift, diversities of tongues, that comes upon an individual's life who is used in this area of ministry. And that higher anointing that comes upon him will manifest itself in the diversities of tongues and then they'll begin to speak to men by revelation or knowledge. And this is something that we've overlooked or not clearly seen. It doesn't mean that just because we can speak with other tongues that at any given time you could just stand up and speak with other tongues and that is a message to the body. Basically, you'd probably be worshiping God. Because many times you've noticed it when there's a, a beautiful time of worship and praise unto God, then as soon as it gets a little bit quiet, there comes a what? A tongue. And I guarantee you that if with understanding you'd begin to see that what that person was actually doing was not speaking to the church, but speaking unto God Blessing Him well, thanking Him well, expressing all of what this body is doing unto the Father. And when that interpretation would come, it would be, Oh, Father, together. Well, let me just show you. Let me show what I'm talking about. Go back to Acts chapter 5. Let's not use that one first. Let's, let's go back to Acts 2 first. We'll use that one later. Acts 2, 4 says, They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to do what? Speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Well, here they are speaking with other tongues as, as the Spirit of God gives them utterance. What were they saying? In verse 6, these men were speaking in these other people's language. In verse 8, how we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. But what were they speaking is my point. What were they speaking? In verse 11, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. You know what they were doing? You redeemed us by your hand. You sent Jesus to shed His blood. And we thank You, our Father. They were speaking out Unto God His wonderful works. Like through the Psalms when David used to speak out, you stretched out your hand. You made the heaven. You made the earth. You made the sea. That's exactly what they were doing with other tongues. Blessing God. Worshiping Him. Magnifying Him and the beauty of His holiness. Speaking of His wonderful works with other tongues. And they heard Him. Notice they weren't preaching. They weren't speaking to men because who spoke to the men? Peter did, right after they got done. And said, we're not drunk, but I'm going to tell you something now. See, they were speaking to God with those tongues. Now go over to Acts chapter 5. You know the story, Peter and John. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 23. Peter and John, 
They were let go after they were told not to teach or preach in the name of Jesus. And in verse 23, they were let go. They went to their own company and reported all the chief priests and elders said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Now, how do you think they did that? In other tongues. There's no possible way they could have prayed this prayer in unison. If I were to start praying that prayer right now, Lord God, you made the heaven and the earth see all their enemies, you couldn't follow me. Could you? No. They were speaking with other tongues unto God and the Spirit was interpreting what they were saying as it was written by the Spirit through Luke and this is what God was hearing. What are they saying? Lord, you're God that made heaven and earth and sea and all that are in them is. They're speaking the wonderful works of God. It's exactly what they're doing. Who by the mouth of thy servant David said. See, they're speaking to God, talking to Him. And what is the purpose of the Spirit? To aid us in prayer, to aid us or to assist us in worship and praise unto God. And that's exactly what they were doing. The emphasis on tongues is right here. This is the emphasis on tongues. It's to speak to God primarily in prayer, praise, and worship. Now go over to Acts chapter 10 and let's look at something else. Verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and do what? What were they doing in tongues? So once again, the Spirit came as a sign or evidence of His indwelling presence by enabling them to speak with other tongues. But my point is, what were they speaking? In other words, what, how can you interpret what they were saying? They were magnifying who? He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto who? They were magnifying God. They were magnifying God. They were magnifying God. Okay. Go over to Acts chapter 19. You know the story, so let's just go on down and read verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Here's a distinction. Here's the two different manifestations of the Spirit. Those that were speaking with tongues were speaking unto who? Those that were prophesying were speaking unto who? That's what prophecy is. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto who? He that prophesies speaketh unto who? Men, unto edification, exhortation, and comfort. So in the church, Paul said, you should rather prophesy. But if there is a tongue, that tongue should be properly interpreted. Properly interpreted. And if the majority of the time, tongues is speaking unto God, and especially at a time of worship and praise then should it not be interpreted that way? 
what is being said. Let's go back to that 14th chapter again. Let's go on back there of 1 Corinthians. And let's, let's look again. Let's look at these scriptures a little bit slower. Go to verse 2. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaks secrets. Now, Paul is just teaching. He's not particularly talking about just in church. But the primary importance of other tongues is for you to speak to God. He that prophesieth, in verse 3, speaks unto men, to edification, to exhortation, to comfort. He goes back again to tongues. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies who? Himself. Builds himself up. But he that prophesieth edifies who? The church. I would that you all speak with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except... Now, here's the exception. Except he interpret. Why does every tongue have to be interpreted as thus saith the Lord? Is the question. When basically the majority of the time I will say it is that person blessing God. Because we've not taken the time to really search and see the primary purpose. What the primary purpose of tongues is. But now we can see well, say, what about this other gift? Well, once again, the other gift is diversities of tongues. And a person who has that manifestation, who has that gift, will fall back in chapter 12. Look at chapter 12. And verse 27, he talks about in chapter 12 about how everybody in the body of Christ has their function, has their place, and now you are the body of Christ, members in particular, and God has set some. Now, let's notice something here. God has set some in the church, in the body of Christ, first apostles. How many of you here are an apostle tonight? Set apart by the Spirit to stand in the office of an apostle. That's your ministry. That's your calling. None of us. Generally speaking, but specifically speaking, that is not, you've not been set to be an apostle to function in that office, that ministry gift. Secondly, how many are prophets? Thirdly, how many are teachers? How many have the ministry of working of miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments? You can find yourself somewhere. Diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? No is the answer. Are all prophets? No is the answer. Are all teachers? No is the answer. Are all workers of miracles? No is the answer. Have all the gifts of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? He's not talking about generally. He's not talking about your prayer language. Do all, does everyone in the church have the ministry gift of speaking with other tongues to communicate by revelation, by knowledge? No. Do all interpret? Does everyone have the gift of interpretation of tongues whereby they interpret what is being said in the Spirit? No. Well, since not everyone has that gift, then... You just can't say because I speak with other tongues, I can, I can speak out any time. Or, or just because I speak with other tongues, I can always just give a, a message. See, that is not the gift. That is just the, the evidence of the Spirit's indwelling presence. His primary purpose is so that you could worship God, edify, 
yourself and build yourself up and praise to God and, and to assist you in your worship and prayer and all that. Now, let me show you something. I was driving down the street. And I was on my way to, to school, or to work, rather, after school. And my wife was pregnant with, with BJ. And once again, I didn't know a whole lot. I don't know a whole lot about these things. I'm just, that's what I'm going to school for. I've heard it heard in church, and to be quite honest with you, a lot of it I just didn't set right inside my spirit. I have one, heard one stand up, and I mean to tell you, this fellow I heard one time in one service, he's just going off in tongues, holler mile an hour. And some, then this other one, he gave the interpretation. I mean to tell you, that interpretation sent half the body to hell. I warned you. I told you. You've not done what I said. You've not moved like I said. You've not done the thing I said. And you will be lost if you don't change your life. If you don't turn yourself around. And I mean, he was... I'm just looking at him. Glory to God. I said, What? That's an interpretation of what God is saying? Can you see that? And then we're on to explain, this is one of the manifestations of the Spirit. This is this particular gift of the Spirit where He is speaking to us in this, this way. It didn't set right inside my spirit. I had something on the inside of me that was far different from what that person was speaking out. Do you know why? The Spirit of the prophet is subject unto the prophet. And if all that person feeds himself is condemnation, guilt, and all that stuff, that's what he's going to put out of his spirit to condemn everybody. That wasn't what the Spirit was saying at all. And so what I'm saying is there is a, a misuse of the manifestations of the Spirit of God in the Pentecostal movement, in the charismatic movement. Misuse. Why? Through lack of knowledge and no understanding. Do you see how you can misuse a gift? You can have electricity, which is power, and use it improperly, can't you? You can have the Holy Ghost and power and misuse it. And that's what's happening. Because of a lack of knowledge. But here we begin to see that the primary purpose of this gift is to worship God individually. If you are in that ministry gift of diversity of tongues, you'll know it. And you'll know you are speaking out a revelation or a message of something that, of importance to the body. Now let me show you. What I was saying, I was driving down the road. And I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to worship like I always do in the car. Now everybody, doesn't everybody worship in tongues when you get in a car? Okay. And I'm worshiping in tongues, you know, driving by myself, especially at night, you know, in worshiping the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Now, I don't know what I'm praying about. I started to speak in other tongues. When all of a sudden, and you, it's so hard to explain because you're trying to explain spiritual things, but it's, you know, just, just listen. It seemed like I was lifted up to a higher spiritual realm. And when it caught a hold of me, it was more authoritative. And I began to speak out in a stronger way, in a more stern way. And I, I just knew, and I didn't want to back off because I knew it was the Spirit of God moving upon me. And as He moved upon me, the next thing I knew, I was speaking in English. And as I was speaking in English... I began to know what the Spirit was saying to me about my child. And he began to just, just speak out through me. Whereas, you're going to have a boy. I knew that. He shall be this and he shall be that and he shall do this. And I'm just almost listening to myself speak. And then, it was all over. And it's like, you know, you're driving on down the road again. And it's like, oh my. 
You get excited about the manifestation and sometimes we don't think things through. Do you know what I'm saying? We don't take the time to meditate and think these things through so that He can teach us about these manifestations and show us how they're used. And so, of course, I didn't do it either. I just accepted what had happened as what had happened. Not realizing or recognizing that the Spirit of God in another way was manifesting Himself. And He said, don't be ignorant of the different kinds of ways or of the different kinds of operations of the Spirit. That does not mean that because that happened to me one time or at that time, that every time I walk into a church service and just go over and just sit down in a pew, you know, that I could just stand there and just start doing that. Happened one time. Now, every time I go into a church service, I should be able to have that stronger unction, that stronger anointing, that stronger manifestation to speak out a word of something. That doesn't happen to me every day in my, my life. And it doesn't happen to every believer every day. Many times it's, well, basically it's as the Spirit wills. But we get into a rut or routine that since that happened to me one time, now, any time, any given time, no matter where I'm at, no matter what I do, I'm going to be able to do this even if I didn't even, you know, worship in the Spirit today or stay before the Lord today. You know, maybe I've had a lot of things to do and I'm running around. I'm not even in the Spirit. Just come, come to church now. Well, church time, let's go in there. I pray in tongues and just let her go. And that often happens. And I'm not, you know, knocking that. I'm just saying we've just taken things so lightly that we've not taken the time to think these things through. If you have a ministry, may I say something? And you really believe that you're called and have a ministry where you're going to be used in the diversities of tongues? Do you know what your responsibility is? Hmm? Preparation. Step number one. In other words, if you have even an idea that you might be used tonight in that particular ministry because that's your ministry, then you should be before the Lord before you come. And you should stay in tune with the Spirit. And stay in the Spirit. So that you could be in tune to the Spirit. And He may not use you tonight. But the point is, I'm ready. I'm ready. See, there's a different anointing here. There's a stronger anointing here. And you've got to use one to get to the other. We don't ignore speaking with other tongues and praising and worshiping, which is the primary purpose. Staying there so that you are in the Spirit so that when He would move upon you in a greater manifestation, it would be accurate, it would be precise, it would be in tune with what the Father is saying if He's saying something to this people. But remember something. What did Paul say? Covet the prophesied. Covet the prophesied, though. And he was basically saying, as far as I'm concerned, when I go in there to instruct, it's going to be by prophecy or by teaching or by revelation or that sort of thing. Or there has to be someone who is also gifted to do what? Gifted to do what? Not just... Let me say this. If that's your ministry, then what is your responsibility? If you believe that the Spirit of God has given unto you or imparted to you that manifestation of the Spirit that whereby you are used to interpret, what is your responsibility? Before you come. Prepare. Preparation. Get in the Spirit. Be in the Spirit. How do you do that? By praying in the Spirit. And let's look at one more, well, one more scripture. Quickly. 
Ephesians 5, 18. Real quick. <clears throat> See, beloved, when we get together and begin to worship, you know the first thing people want? Please listen. This is what people want, first thing. Somebody to do something. This is, just seems to be the feel of it. That someone wants somebody to do something. Somebody wants somebody to prophesy. Somebody wants something to speak out in tongues. Somebody wants... It seems like that's ex- almost expected, like it's going to be a spiritual show, a theater. That someone has to do something. And it's like, oh, we've worshipped it for five minutes and ten minutes now. But look at this scripture. Verse 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding. Understanding what? What the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord? Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. How? Speaking to yourselves. Speaking to yourselves. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to who? You know, that's where he wants us at 99% of the time. Speaking to yourselves and speaking to him in other tongues. And believe me, that other percentage then will be more accurate. But I see it in Pentecost the other way around. People use their tongue more in the church service than they do in their private prayer language. You know, and just come in and just say, I'm just going to do this and, and don't even speak to themselves. And edify themselves and build themselves up and, and stay in tune with God. But they feel like as though that I've got this. I've done it one time before. So I come to church. I'm going to do it right then. And I'm not speaking about anybody in our congregation. Please understand that. I get so many questions when I preach like this. Okay? I'm just asking that we look at the scriptures and put first things first. Put the emphasis where it belongs. If we get tired of worshiping in the spirit, then I have to question whether or not you're tongue then is going to be very accurate. Do you see that? That is, the, the, the first one is praying in the Spirit, staying in tune with God. That lifts us up to the higher place. It's not the other way around. So, what are we saying? If there's going to be somebody who's going to give out a message in other tongues, we need to discern whether or not that's praise and worship unto God, if you're going to interpret that. Do you see that? Or is it truly God moving in this ministry gift where it's diversities of tongues and there is a message coming out by revelation to the church. We need to distinguish. We need to understand that. We need to have that kind of understanding so that we are not misusing the gifts. How about this last thing? How about when you start singing? You know when we sing in the Spirit? Paul says, I will sing with my spirit. And have you ever heard somebody when the singing slows down and gets soft and quiet, then someone will go and sing in tongues? by themselves and sing out a message in tongues? Okay? How come when they sing the interpretation, this interpretation is to the body? You mean they were singing to you? Who are we singing to when we sing? Then you know how that really should have come back as an interpretation? All I'm saying is it was a true singing in the Spirit, but there was no interpretation. All, all they went off to do then was to go off and prophesy. But the singing of that interpretation left was left undone. And they should have been singing out to whatever it is in the Spirit. We lift our voices unto you, Most High, because you're so good and your mercy endure it forever. Do you see? Does, does it make sense to you? Not every interpretation is always going to be stuff say at the Lord. I'd say in most of your private prayer life and that sort of thing, you are speaking out utterances unto God and worship and praise and thanksgiving and psalms and hymns will come out of your spirit as you are singing those in English. Then it'll be a psalm unto God, a hymn unto God, a praise unto God. Let's all stand.
Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.